Hey Kingsway, happy Easter. My name is Danielle Smalley. I'm the communications manager here at the church. Andy, happy Easter. Happy Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. He has risen and we celebrate that today. And as the Connections pastor, I love how our kids <laughs> were connecting. They had a blast. Hopefully you guys got a chance to see that new countdown video we put together. Our kids ministry has been working behind the scenes this, the past two weeks building up these ways to connect with their kids and with their leaders. It's been awesome. They put together that, that dance video. Your kids are on there. They're like bouncing all around, jumping from one box to another. I don't know how they do that. It was so cool. It was a lot of fun. And kids, maybe you have completed that craft, or at least you're almost completed. Mm -hmm. So get that ready for later in the service. We're going to do the final steps of that craft that Joe put together. That's going to be awesome. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed this entire week. Because as we've taken opportunity here, as we've been in this season where we're all home more, to really dive into the power of this Easter week. So we had Monday, Thursday devotional with Brett, and that was so moving and just a chance to dive into what the power of that last supper was. Mm -hmm. And then we did Good Friday. Oh, it was powerful yeah. just to, to be in that yes. moment and to walk through what Jesus walked through over that you know, 18 hour period or whatever it was. It was amazing. And then here we are. We are here to celebrate our Lord and he has risen. So please get ready to join us as we move into a time of worshiping our great God.
Happy Easter, Kingsway. Glad that you guys have joined us online to experience and celebrate our risen King today. Let's sing and worship Him today with everything that we've got as one voice and one body. Great 
Nothing can stop our God. He is unstoppable, and we're celebrating that this Easter. We sure are, and it, we know it's weird. Like, this is just a, a different Easter. We're not together. We don't see all the kids dressed up in their Easter best today on the campus, walking around, taking pictures, but that's okay because the reason for this holiday is not all being together. It's not all dressing up, what we're eating. Like, what are you doing differently this year? You know, I'm really excited because we got a propane tank for our grill. Yeah. And we got Skyline chili in the can. <laughs> and so maybe some brats and some Skyline and some cheese on top. And I don't know if Leah's going to okay that. But me and the kids are excited for, for our possible Easter dinner. That is fantastic. I don't... We're, we're not doing a big ham either. I don't know if we're having Skyline chili, but you know, we're going to enjoy the time together and still worship God. And mm. it's just going to be, it's going to be amazing. And whatever you are doing, we want to see it. So yes. go ahead, take a picture, get, get dressed up in your yeah. family best. I might even have a nicer shirt on than my purple <laughs> connect shirt and take a picture and yep. then tag us on Facebook, Instagram. Yes, We would love to see if you just go to your Instagram or your Facebook pages and you, you know, the at sign Kingsway, it'll come up with our name and just tag us in it. And we're going to pull all those together. Mm. We are the church. We're going to celebrate how we are celebrating Easter, what it looks like to do church, even though we're all online and virtual and not together. It's going to be super powerful. So please tag us. We are the church, and I've been so excited to see you yes. step outside your home or at least pick up the phone and help others that are in need right now. We have so many things that are just getting started. We've got our food drive that just started last week, had our first drop off on Saturday where several individuals came out, helped to disinfect the canned goods that you donated. Yes. And then we were able to fill those food pantries in our area and then give that food to 25 different families in Plainfield. What That's a beautiful amazing. connection that we're able to feed those that need it right now. So Andy, if I want to be a part of that, or maybe my life group wants to join, where yeah. do we go to find out all the ways that, that Kingsway is serving? All on the website, kingswaychurch.org. We are the church, and we are the church. What a, a great, this is a hard time, but this is a great time where we're able to engage with our culture that is hungry for Jesus. And perhaps you're one of those that are hungry for Jesus. You are in the right place at the right time today. I'm so excited for you to be here. We are. We are so excited. And if you are looking for community, if you're looking for those connections, we are still making those things happen. So tech, follow us on Facebook, on, on Instagram, whatever it is, whether it's the kids page or the students page or our main church page, there are ways to connect throughout the week. We are keeping our website updated with different activities and things that you can be a part of. So don't miss out. Join us at noon, Monday through Saturday. Andy and yeah. Pastor Matt are leading prayer sessions live. So be a part of that. We would love to see you there. We're just so excited to have you here, and we're excited to jump back into worship with the team.
church, it's good to worship together no matter where we're at. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Easter Sunday 2020 for Kingsway Christian Church. My name is Matt Nickerson, and I am the lead pastor here. And I don't know about you, but I love Easter. When I was a kid, my mom would take an Easter basket full of goodies. She would hide it somewhere in the house, and then she would take a note, and each note would lead to another note, lead to another note, which eventually led to the basket full of goodies. And I just so looked forward to Easter. As I got older and began to ask questions about God and my faith and all of those things, I began to better understand what the real meaning of Easter is. In fact, why don't we answer this question today? Why is Easter so important? The only way we can understand why Easter is so important is we have to go back to Friday, the day when Jesus was crucified. Because the reason that Jesus was crucified leads us to the reason why the resurrection is so important. Jesus was crucified because just like you, I have a sin problem. Now, if you have been in church for any length of time, or if you've just been living in America, you've probably heard the word sin. You may not know what it means, but the word sin is the Greek word hamartia. And the word hamartia literally means to miss the mark. Imagine you're somewhere out in the middle of the woods in Indiana, and there's some archery target way out there. It's actually a picture word. And you pull back your bow, and you take your aim, and you shoot your shot. And no matter how many times you shoot your shot, you miss the mark. Now, even if you shot your shot and you hit the mark a hundred times, but you had to hit the mark a thousand times, or let's say you had to hit a thousand times, and you only hit it 999 times. The point is, hamartia means at some point in my life, I pull back and I miss the mark. Now, here's what most of us do when it comes to Easter Sunday, when it comes to Good Friday and the crucifixion of Christ. When we look at this idea of sin and we look at our own lives, we tend to think that God, because he's so big and so powerful, and because we've never met anybody on earth who's ever not at some point missed their shot, we tend to think, therefore, God must be grading all of us on some big curve. Do you remember that grading on a curve thing when you were in school? There's a lot of debate among educators whether or not grading on a curve is a good or bad thing. The point of the curve is to really help a teacher identify whether or not the test is too hard. So what they could do is plug into a matrix, kind of like how many people got A's and how many people got B's, how many people got C's and D's and F's. And if everybody is from B down or C down, they can adjust it. Everybody slides up so that you end up with this bell curve with everybody at least in the C range or better. It's kind of depending on how the curve is shaped. And we tend to think that's how God grades us. That we pull back and we miss the mark. And maybe we miss the mark 10 times or 100 times or 1,000 times, but we didn't miss it as bad as that guy over there. So therefore, we're good. When it comes to sin, all of us think, I'm good. I'm good enough, anyway. At least that's how we tend to define it. But it's because most of us don't like to admit that deep down, there are some real problems that need dealt with. It's amazing, I like to read a lot of news articles, and I talk to a lot of people, even in quarantining, I talk to a lot of people, And this whole virus thing that has us all separated and isolated and has us living with the same people way more, seeing the same people way more than we usually do, it's kind of bubbling to the surface, these underlying issues that need dealt with for a lot of people. There's a lot of selfishness and greed and hurt and anger that is just sitting below the surface and being in the same house all the time together is bringing it up. Maybe you can relate with that. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you understand Sigmund Freud, a famous psychologist, you probably have heard of him. Sigmund Freud found that he took the best of the best of society and when he got them in a private room and he got them talking that there was all kinds of stuff going down, going on down deep below. 
In fact, he used the analogy, it was like if you go to a local pond and you turn over a rock, there's nothing good under there. All you find is mud and mold and muck and centipedes and bugs. There's just all kinds of stuff and dark stuff going on under there. And that's the analogy that he used. The most of us, on the outside, we put up a good front that we've got it all together. Everything is going great, but then you turn the rock over and it doesn't look so good. In fact, there's another guy. His name is Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn. He's Russian and I probably butchered his name. But he said this, gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. And even in the best of all hearts, there remains an uprooted small corner of evil. Now, I love this quote. It's a, it's a much older quote, but I love it because I love that he touches on the political party because there's been nothing more over the last couple years in America, maybe even more than that, that has divided us than political belief systems. But the reality is the problem of sin, the hamartia, the missing the mark, the evil that lurks underneath, it runs through all classes, all educations, all wealth, all professions, and all political systems. No one is clean, but we don't present ourselves that way, do we? That's why we all have the same problem. And the problem is that we all failed the test. There's this graded curve, and we all imagine that we're on the front end, we're okay, and God's gonna let us in because we're gooder than somebody else. But the reality is much different than that. We see this in a passage in the Bible, Romans chapter three, verse 22, the second half of 22, it says this. There is no difference, in other words, there's no curve, between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God, falling short of the glory of God, is that phrase there, the sin phrase, they missed the bullseye. So I added the part in parentheses, that's not in the original text, but I wanted you to see it for what it means. Because I think sometimes when we read the Bible, it's got all these deep kind of theological and doctrinal words, and we're gonna get to some more of those today, and we don't fully understand what it means. There is no difference, there's no curve between Jew or Gentile. For those of you who don't know, the Jews are the people of God. They had the, the covenant of God, the oracles of God, the law of God, and the law was good, but even the Jews failed to obey God. Now, I know this is hard for some of us to fully grasp and to fully get, because we think to ourselves, yeah, but they aren't like me. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. I heard this analogy once from a pastor. He said, imagine that you got a chain. Imagine this chain is hanging off of I don't know, the Grand Canyon. Now, I don't know why there's a chain hanging off Grand Canyon, but I want you to imagine for a minute that you're gonna grab onto that chain and you're gonna swing out and look down <clears throat> into the ravine down below, into the canyon down below. Now, <clears throat> I get it. Some of the women sitting at home are like, why in the world would I grab a chain hanging off the Grand Canyon? And all the guys out there are going, yeah, 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 tell me more, tell me more. I would do that, totally. Okay, so you're hanging on this chain, right? And you're hanging over the Grand Canyon. How many links have to break for you to fall into the canyon? And the answer is one. Only one link, and the chain has to go bad. Now, you could have 25 links go bad. You could have 50 links go bad. You could have 100 links go bad. You could have 1,000 links go bad. But if even one link breaks, the same outcome happens for everybody. You fall. That's the point of what Paul's trying to get to in Romans chapter three. There's no difference. There's no curve. One bad link for both Jew or Gentile leads us to the same conclusion. Because all have sinned. All have broken links in their chain 
and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what this means, according to the Bible, is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. So let's just unpack that. Death entered the picture, if you go all the way back to the garden, death entered the picture, picture because Adam and Eve had one bad link. And it sounds crazy to us when we hear the story, but Adam and Eve in the garden are told by God, you can eat from the tree of life and you will live forever. It'll be a wonderful, glorious life with God. Or you could disobey me and you can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve both took from the tree and they ate. They had one bad link in their chain. But because of that, they were cut off from God, which really means they were cut off from life. So when Paul says the wages of sin is death, what he's trying to say is what we have earned by turning away from God and not following God and not obeying God is we earned death. We've been cut off. However, the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, what Jesus did on Good Friday when he died on the cross was he came to give us a gift, the gift of life, so that we could be forever connected back to God, back to life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, we can't even get fully to the resurrection yet. We have to cover the cross. The cross revealed a new grading system. That's what really God revealed to us on Good Friday because what he showed us is he's not going to give us what we deserve. We're not gonna get the grade that we earned even though there's broken links in the chain. Instead, he's gonna give us something better, something beautiful, something found in Jesus alone and that came to us on Resurrection Sunday. In fact, go back to Romans chapter three, look at verse 24. It says, and all are justified freely, meaning we were given perfection through a gift that's justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I think, again, we get into these big terms that have theology and doctrine and all kinds of matters wrapped up in them. They're hard for us to get sometimes. The word justified is a legal term. Imagine a courtroom and there's a trial and you're being found guilty for what you have done. The, the breaking links in the chain, the Bad grades, the missed answers, they all come to a moment where you earned death. But instead, you were justified freely. I heard another pastor say this once. Sometimes understanding the word justified, it's good to say it like this. It's just as if I'd. It's just as if I'd done what I should have done. It's just as if I had always made the right decision. I'd always hit the perfect mark. Timothy Keller says it beautifully. He says it like this. We are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but we're also more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. So what is the meaning of Easter besides candy and baskets and fun? Easter means that Jesus takes my worst and gives me his best. Now, in doctrinal terms, this is called the doctrine of imputation. There's a really big word for you kids at home today. The doctrine of imputation. That when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he literally carried the worst. And he carried the curse of the worst. So all of my sin 
All of my lies or deceits, all of my rebellion, all of my neglect and abandonment, all of my failed promises, all of it, he carried on himself. And not just my choices, he carried the actual curses for my sin upon himself. So that when Jesus died, all of those things were on him. And now when he rose from the dead, instead what he gave me is his life. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now let that sink in. I think the best way to visualize this, I've asked my good friend Luke Kageris to come up here and join me for this illustration. So if you're sitting at home, especially you work in kids ministry or you're one of the kids at home, you know Luke and I'm so glad Luke is here. Luke's gonna help illustrate this for us today. So Luke has put on a clothing, a garment for us that represents some of the kinds of sins that led to uh, Jesus hanging on the cross. Now, there are many more things we could put up here. But if something didn't change in Luke's story, then this would be the defining situation of his life. When Jesus died on the cross, what he did was he took off the garment that Luke was wearing, carried it on himself, and instead Put on the righteousness of Christ. So that now, when God looks at Luke, he doesn't see the stain of his sin. He doesn't see a long list of his worst days. He doesn't see all of his failures. There's no rock to turn over and find the mud and the mold and the centipede. Luke is clean. He's made righteous in God's eyes. Easter is so important because it represents dead things coming to life. It represents old things becoming new. It represents my sin becoming righteousness. And it's all a gift. How many times did Paul emphasize that it's freely given? It's a gift. I want you to think about the moment of your birth for a moment. What did you add to that moment besides a lot of pain for your mother? Not much, did you? I mean, you literally didn't bring anything into it. It's a little ironic that every single one of your birthdays, we buy you a present. Maybe on your birthday, you should be buying your mother a present. But it was a gift. Life was a gift, a gift given to you. All you had to do was show up. And it's the same way with what we call a new birth, a rebirth. It's what we call when we come to Jesus and we give him our lives. It is life coming out of death. It is beauty coming from ashes. It is God bringing about something that we could not bring about on our own. And our best human efforts failed over and over and over and over again. But on Easter Sunday, it was all made possible. Now, it maybe brings up a great question. How do I receive this gift? I can't buy it. I can't earn it. It's freely given and it's freely received. That's it. So then how do I get it? I think Paul covers this well. When he says in Galatians chapter three, verse 26, 
So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Now, faith does not simply mean generic belief. Many people generically believe that there's a higher power. Many people generically believe that there was once a guy named Jesus and he probably died on the cross and I don't know about anything after that. To have faith in something means to give your life to, to lean your whole life upon, to trust and depend on it as if you were hanging off a chain over the Grand Canyon and you believe that this chain is gonna hold and you trust it. And it's not because you have a weak link or you've made a mistake, it's because the chain is technically holding you. So then how do we receive it? We believe in our hearts that what Jesus did is enough. And there are many people who have done that over the last few weeks at Kingsway, really over the last few months. Many people have been saying, I believe that Jesus is Christ, the son of the living God, and I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. Now we believe, as Paul goes on to say here in verse 27, that the way that I enact that faith is I take my body and I do with my body what I'm already doing in my heart and in my mind by faith, and we call that baptism. In fact, Paul says here in verse 27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. The reason that God gave us the waters of baptism is it's a beautiful gift for us to mark this movement from death to life. It's a gift, a moment. I never have to wonder, did I say the right prayer? Did I do it right? Did I, did I miss anything along the way? I have a marker moment in time when I know that the old me was washed away and a new me in Jesus Christ was put on. The new clothes of Christ have been put on to me and now I am the righteousness of Christ before God. We're gonna take a moment and celebrate that happening as there are a number of people who've said, I'm ready, I'm in. And listen, I wanna encourage you, if you watch these videos and you're listening to this message and you get moved and stirred in your heart and you too wanna join us, I want you to simply text the word CONNECT to 317-565-4911. Text that word and we will help you schedule a time to surrender to God, to give your life to Christ and be united with him in baptism, to take off whatever it is that's hiding under the rock, maybe nobody else but God knows about, but it doesn't have to define you anymore because Easter is here and it's a game changer. between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night and through the darkness your loving kindness tore through shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my
gather together to take communion. I encourage if you haven't already to run to your refrigerator, grab the reddest juice that you can and some sort of cracker or bread. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Paul is cluing us into the idea that shortly after the resurrection, the church began to gather and eat this bread and drink this cup, and in doing so, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the life that came to them after Jesus hung on the cross and then rose from the dead. It's supposed to be his blood and his body. And the reason that's powerful, I think, is because Paul calls it the cup of thanksgiving. One translation says the cup of blessing. When we eat this, we are celebrating the idea that Jesus poured out his life. We give glory to God because now we are alive in him. Like we saw in those who were baptized earlier, like we heard in the passages that were shared, like we sang in our worship today, we are alive in him. So now, take the bread and eat. And take the cup and drink. And let's give glory to God. Let's pray right now. And listen, if you need a few moments, we'll give you some time here to just read some passages on the screen about communion. And if you need some time to reflect on the Lord, to ask God what he wants from you or for you, spend this time doing that. There's some business you need to do with God, something you need to work out between he and you. Do that right now. Take this time and do that. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, before we finish singing our praises to you and thanking you for all that you have done in us, oh God, we just want to praise you right now and say thank you. Thank you for giving us your one and only son, Jesus. We thank you for going all the way to the cross. You had all the power of heaven. You could have stopped it at any moment, but you didn't. You could have defended yourself at the many trials they had for you, but you didn't. You went all the way in faithfulness to God. We thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here in this place to encourage us and to convict us and to stir in us a desire to live for, for God. So thank you. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us over and over and over again. In Jesus' name we pray. Then came 